Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everybody, the flagship podcast is back. It's back and it's stronger than ever, folks. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by my new co-host on the flagship podcast, the one and only Eric Henry, uh, star new reporter for Horns247.com. E. Henry, how you doing, man? First off, you're way too kind with the star new reporter, but I will I will gladly take all of the, uh, the accolades that you will throw my way, CB. It is a pleasure and an honor to be on flagship podcast with you i've had a chance to watch and listen to this podcast when it was yourself and the uh, illustrious miss taylor estes so i cannot fill her shoes her heels but i can only try my best to uh step in here and be uh, a figment of what she was but uh, i'm thrilled and ecstatic to be part of the 24 7 sports team horns 24 7 team and be talking to you talking a little horns football all right i just want to make sure that everybody can hear your melodic tones. So you might want to move your microphone a little bit closer to yourself um, because we want to make sure that uh, everybody can hear every word that you have to say. Should be a little better. A lot to get into Eric. We are uh, two scrimmages into fall camp for the Texas Longhorns. And the biggest news folks is no significant injuries, no significant injuries. Okay. So, that's probably the biggest and most important news we're going to talk about all through this podcast. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff, but there's probably nothing more important than that because last year at this time, Texas had already lost Isaiah Nayer to a knee injury and Junior Angelau, who was a starting guard on the offensive line, who's now transferred out of the program. Um, he was also lost to a season ending knee injury. So the fact that, the Texas Longhorns are healthy, Eric, uh, is significant. Now, they've got, uh, obviously, got more camp to go. We don't open the season until September 2nd against the Rice Owls. JT Daniels, by the way, quarterback in the Rice Owls, the third time he's going to face the Texas Longhorns in Austin, representing a different team. First it was USC, then it was well, then he went to Georgia, but then West Virginia, he faced Texas last year. Um, and then here um, with the Rice Owls. So JT Daniels, folks. But anyway, 
Texas healthy, Eric, that is significant. Yeah, Chip, no doubt about it. It doesn't matter what level you're playing at, you know, who the competition is. If you are not healthy, it's really going to undermine your chances for success. And I think when you talk, you talked about it a little bit last year, entering last year, how the team went into it banged up. And Steve Sarkeesian talked about it a couple times in the press, avail press, press availabilities that we've had him, right? He's talked about the fact that coming out of each scrimmage, the first thing he emphasizes is, no injuries. The fact that last year they went into it with some injuries and the fact that this year seemingly the number one goal is just to get to Rice healthy and, you know, playing good football. So uh, I think you make, you know, really a, a kind of succinct points there. But what's interesting, uh, Chip, in, in my mind is do you feel I'm just want to throw this back at you, get your thoughts, right? It feels like more than ever this year in, in recent memory, this team is equipped, for lack of a better phrase, to, to handle whatever bumps or bruises that may come their way through camp. Given I know you've talked about a lot. You've touched on it a fair amount of times in your insider, the amount of depth that this team appears to be building. So I just kind of want to throw that back out at you in the form of a question. Does it seem that this year in relation to maybe years in the past uh, that this team is more equipped to handle whatever bumps and bruises may come their way? Yeah. Now, this is the reach for the Tums portion of the show. Because Texas fans have been so battered and bruised with expectation, high hopes, excitement, all dashed, uh, kick to the groin, banana in the tailpipe, however you want to describe <laughs> it. Um, so the fact that Steve Sarkeesian is saying we are better equipped to handle um, – you don't want to say the word, but if someone has to come out of a game, they're better equipped to handle that with depth. And he said, we're plenty talented. And he's said that he likes that they could win in a variety of ways. He says um, that they're not just limited to winning one certain way. And so all of this just, you know, the Kool-Aid, whatever you want to call it, it um, it starts to taste really good, um, but we got to see how it really tastes. I mean, like it tastes good in our mind, the Kool-Aid, but we haven't tasted it yet. We're like picturing the Kool-Aid and it looks good. It's burnt orange. It's, you know, hopefully the sugar mix is just right because you don't want it to be flat. But bottom line is, there is. There's a lot of Kool-Aid um, to, to drink right now. And I think when you talk about depth, you talk about Steve Sarkeesian saying they can win in a variety of ways. I, I look at the offense. I say having two deep threats, at least two. I think Star Steve Sarkeesian would say he probably has four. Uh, when you look at A.D. Mitchell on one side of the field and Xavier Worthy on the other side of the field or Isaiah Nayer on one side of the field and Jontae Cook on the other side of the field, you know, Jordan Whittington in the slot, Jatavian Sanders at tight end, that's going to add so much dimension to this offense that I don't think we saw last year. And, and it made it harder to run, and it made it harder to you know, get JT Sanders open because they could crowd him and double worthy. They, they didn't really respect the third receiver you know, in the equation. Casey Kane, no offense to Casey Kane, and I hear he's having a good camp. But my gosh, A.D. Mitchell is all anyone's talking about. So it's uh, it is there. There is reason to believe, Eric, that there's depth and that Texas could actually survive if someone had to 
come off the field. Now, you and I can talk about which positions maybe we feel better about if someone right. had to come off the field. And maybe a couple that you're like, man, they cannot have that guy come off the field. You know, Jatavian Sanders probably a tight end, although Gunnar Helm is having a great camp and the guy's pissed off and he wants to he wants some targets because he's working his ass off and he blocks probably better than JT Sanders. But JT Sanders is a freak athlete who makes great contested catches. Um, I mean, that's a good that's a good debate, actually, which which positions Texas is better equipped to handle if someone has to come off the field. Uh, at this point in camp, what would you say? Well, it's funny you mention that because if we're going to compare running back, for example, to tight end, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I feel a little bit more confident in the tight end position right now if for no other reason. I feel like maybe we've seen, you know, Texas fans, yourself, Chip, you know what Gunnar Helm can bring, right? So maybe while he hasn't had the, the past targets that JT Sanders has had, and that's a byproduct of the offense, at least seemingly, I mean, you're talking about a three-star kid who came in the same class as JT, right? And is adequate as a run blocker. He at least brings one dimension of that game that you know you can turn to and say, okay, if JT, for whatever reason, knock on wood, he's out, we can go to Gunnar Helm, who Jeff Banks and Steve Sarkeesian has said is a more improved, more athletic player. Maybe you can use him in the past game a little bit, but you know you got a, an adequate run blocker there. Uh, you know you can go if you, if you want to choose and go to the run game, you can. But in terms of the backs, listen, I mean, it sounds like JB's having a really good camp. Everyone's been really high on, on CJ Baxter, the freshman from Orlando, my neck of the woods, but we haven't seen it yet, right? So that might be a little bit of a hot take on, on my part, but I feel at this point in the game, if we're going to compare, say, running back to tight end, in my mind, I think those are the two spots, at least offensively speaking, you, you have a little bit concern of as far as not having that depth. I feel a little bit more confident in the tight end position. Person. I mean, we've even heard uh, Jeff Banks talk about Juan Davis saying if he can just avoid those, those soft tissue injuries and stay healthy, maybe you got a guy there as well. So, CB, I'll throw it back at you and say between those two, uh, I, I would say I feel a little more confident in the tight end position than maybe the running back just because we haven't seen it yet. But uh, I'm sure that tees you up to talk about a guy like Keelan Robinson, who from all accounts is really busting his butt and wanted to you know, find his role in, in, the, in the offense as well. well. I thought one thing that was really telling, because I've written in the insider that you know people want to know what's going on with Jaden Blue. Jaden Blue's really talented, but he's he's got to pick it up in the in the blitz pickup and pass protection and and I asked Steve Sarkeesian last week, who's your best back in pass pro and blitz pickup? And he said, we have three. And he almost like he almost said or four, but he stopped himself and he said, we have three. And he said, Jonathan Brooks, CJ Baxter and Keelan Robinson. And that pretty much backs up what I've been reporting all along in the insider that that's going to be your your one-two punch with your change of pace. Jonathan Brooks, C.J. Baxter are your big backs who can catch tough guys who are going to you know, be able to run between the tackles. And then Keelan Robinson is your space guy. Your, you know, your, um, we just speed sweep, you know, quick, quick passing game. Uh, the guy is a catch and run nightmare matchup wise. So, you know, that's where I, I think we are. I think that's a that's a, a, a position that everyone wants to know. And I've said to me, the offensive line has is going to have a, 
a big say in how successful these running backs are because Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, a lot of times last year had guys in the hole and had to make a miss and did. This year, you know, we've heard in camp that the defensive line, which is a very disruptive group to say, uh, has made it tough to run between the tackles because lanes are getting canceled and uh, backs are having to bounce stuff outside. And that that's like a, you know, that there's a little cringe factor there because um, that's the one part of the offense that you want to know that Steve Sarkeesian is committed to that he can rely on like he did last year at times in the, you know, to finish off the Iowa State game, finish off the Kansas State game, finish off the Baylor game, dominate the entire Kansas game with the running game, but then gave up on the run against TCU, gave up on the run in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma State, and you just, you know, the teams that have a chance to win a national championship or conference championship, Eric, are the teams that are dynamic in the running game, teams that can get the yard or the two yards and short yardage and goal line uh, with, with the running game. And I've pointed to that first and goal from the two against TCU in the third quarter where Bijan Robinson didn't get a touch and they ended up with a field goal and you're, you're like, Ugh. and then they had first and goal from the five in that, in the fourth quarter and didn't punch it in for a touchdown. Bijan Robinson didn't get a touch and, that's that's the part of the the offense that is I don't have any concern about Quinn Ewers throwing the football down the field to A.D. Mitchell, Worthy, Nayer, Cook, Whittington, uh, J.T. Sanders, Gunnar Helm. My concern is is Texas going to be able to run it when they want to run it on their terms, even when the defense knows they want to run it. Chip, and again, I'm having to form some of these things to you in, in the form of a question, having not covered this team last year. But uh, I wrote a piece recently for Horns 24-7 talking about the power running game, right, and really broke down the numbers. Good piece. Everybody yeah. needs to read that. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. There, there's a difference between having you know successful run plays on first and 10 and second whatever, right, when you've got a 50-50 shot of it could be a run or a pass. But when everybody in the stadium knows – you got to run the football, right? And those yards are, are those situations are defined uh, as third and three or fourth and three or less. Can you go there and pick up the yard? So, like I said, I'm having to form this to you and, and, and phrase it to you in the form of a question. But I guess I'm curious: Did Steve Sarkeesian just go away from it? When I crunched those numbers, Chip, uh, what caught me by surprise, and I wish I actually had them here directly on me, but the number of times that Steve Sarkeesian chose to throw in those scenarios and was it a matter of him just choosing to abandon it because of a lack of success as you talked about the interior of the offensive line being one of the question marks entering this year and you know you've talked about some of the positions that are up for grabs like a, a guy like dj campbell maybe a true road grader at 6'3, 343 him getting a chance was it a wasn't a situation where the offensive line wasn't opening up those holes or was it you know steve sarkeesian just equally accountable and saying maybe he just went away from it i, I mean they could be one and the same but i i'm curious your thoughts there because I, I found those numbers really interesting yeah, and that's where I, I I think bringing in a guy like Paul Christ, a power run, you know, guru from Wisconsin during his days as the head coach at Wisconsin, um, is is a I thought was a great move because, um, you know, Chris is a guy who prides his team in being able to run it 
in those situations when everyone in the stadium knows we're going to run it because there are different ways you can run it. You can, you can run power, you can run counter, you can run zone scheme. And, and that's where I, I would think Steve Sarkeesian is getting with Paul Christ and Kyle flood and saying, okay, what do Jonathan Brooks and CJ Baxter and Keelan Robinson and Jaden blue do the best. And so that when we're in those, when we're in the opponent red zone and, or we've got first and goal from the two, what's our, what's our A, B, C, and D running plays. And, you know, what do we do best? And that's, that's where I felt like Steve Sarkeesian. I don't want to say he was kind of scrambling or he was unsure at times. And, and that's where I think, if, if they're going to be a true championship caliber team, they've got to know, okay, it's third and two. And we're going to get these two yards, even if we have to run two plays to get it. But here are the plays we're going to, we're going to run. And that's part of it is knowing what offensive lineman you want to run behind. Do you have a great puller? Are we doing pin and pull? Are we doing, you know, gap scheme? what do we do best? And that's what fall camp is all about. And so we won't know until we see it uh, in a, in that situation, probably September 9th in Tuscaloosa, but that's, that's what I'm most fascinated by because they, you know, obviously they lose the Oklahoma state game, a game they should have won. They were up 14, you know, 31, 17 could have run the ball in the fourth quarter to finish off that game. Didn't, it got away, cost them the Big 12 title game. And then the TCU, they go to K-State the next week, win. Great win. To me, it's the best win of the Sarkeesian era. I know everyone's going to say, oh, 49 nothing over OU. Davis Bevel at quarterback for OU, that was a gift uh, to Texas fans. So, you know, then they go to K-State, they win that game. Bijan runs it 32 times, 209 yards, and they needed every – yard of it but Quinn Ewers people forget Quinn Ewers played a great first half through two touchdowns to Xavier Worthy then there were turnovers in the second half you had Rojan Johnson who never fumbles get the ball punched out from behind uh Worthy had a fumble that killed two possessions it turned into a tight game Texas wins the next week they're coming home to play TCU for everything you got a home game against the number one team in the conference and you can't run the ball like TCU, their defense was good. It wasn't that good. Like Iowa State's run defense was better than TCU's. People ran the ball on TCU last year. Texas couldn't couldn't move them move them inch, and that was what was so frustrating. Now some would say, "Oh well, TCU might have had Texas signals." You know, they had uh, uh, Wiley, the tight end, who's a transfer from Texas. You know, and maybe he, you know, and, and I've, I've reported that Texas has changed all their signals this offseason. And it, it was a grind. Like during the summer, they totally changed all their signals from the sideline. Uh, the players had to learn the whole new, you know, all, all of it. Now they're fine with it. But, um, you know, they Texas wants to make sure there's there's no eyes, you know, undotted or T's uncrossed as they try to make this push uh, for a 
for a conference championship. So it's, it's going to be fascinating, but yeah, that power running, you know, short yardage. I want to see Steve Sarkeesian believe in his offensive lineman because those guys want to run block. No offensive lineman wants to pass block. They don't want to go backward. You know, they, they don't mind doing it in, you know, in spots or when you're mixing run and pass and you got the defense off balance, but they want to be able to run it and fire off and hit somebody. So how committed are they? How committed, how much do they believe in that new interior offensive line? Like you mentioned, DJ Campbell, uh, probably going to be the right guard starting uh, the season, 343 pounds. He gets his hands on you. Can he just run you backwards and create holes? And I, can't wait to to see it because they did not try to run it in the Alamo Bowl and they got smoked. And that 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 can't be the way of the world without Bijan and Roshan Johnson. No, again, you hit the nail on the head. There's no doubt about it. Just want to add one one uh, final thought on, on that I thought was interesting. And I really would like your thoughts on this as well, because I think you touched on it a little bit in your explanation of the run game. I asked offensive coordinator Kyle Flood, you know, hey. With this year's group, do you think there's one thing that they block best? Is it the zone game? Is it the you know gap scheme? What is it, right? And he said, oh, well, we think we block everything best, right? And I guess you could say that's the coach speak answer. But I followed up to the second part of that question being, how does that play a factor in the running back competition, right? Because if you have a Jonathan Brooks, who you go back and look at his numbers last year, was pretty similar to Bijan Robinson, and a lot of it was half zone, half gap. Uh, does that play a factor in, in who's doing what? But I, I, again, I want to throw this back to you in the form of a question. I think it's interesting. He said that, hey, we recruit all talented backs at Texas, and we think they should all be able to do X, Y, and Z things. And I think that's, again, the the, the company line. But as you talked about, you got to have a guy on fourth and two. You can't try out multiple backs, right, in the short yardage game and, and say, hey, uh, said Baxter, here's a shot. Uh, Savion Red, here's a shot. You know, JB, here's a shot. How important do you think it is, Chip, in your mind, to have a guy, uh, sure, you want to have multiple backs who can do it, but on third and two, fourth and two, this is the guy we know we're turning to who's going to get us those two, three yards. Yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, you've got, uh, like I just described those two instances in the TCU game, you got first and goal from the two, first and goal from the five, Bijan Robinson doesn't get a touch. Like, man, you know, Roshan Johnson ran it. Uh, for a two-yard loss on first down in the in the first and goal from the two situation, probably wasn't blocked the way it needed to be blocked. Uh, but that's the part of it that you need to know, and we need to see, and we probably won't see it when it's crunch time until September 9th in Tuscaloosa. But yeah, you need to have that. You need to know. You need to know this is our guy. This is the play. He does best on this counter play um, because it's early in the season. A, you don't. Hopefully, you don't have to show much against Rice. Heck, you could even, you know, you've got some freshmen you might be able to use as X factors in that uh, in that game against Alabama. We'll see. Now, I mean, guy like. Jonte Cook, a guy like Ryan Niblett. Do you have a little fly sweep or something, um, you know, that is you've never shown on film? You save that for Alabama. But, um, 
you know, yeah, you, you got to know, you got to know what your guys do best. I mean, when Texas was winning conference championships in 05 and 09, they were telling the opponent where they were running it. Like the quarterbacks, everyone was like, we're going to run it right there. Let's see if you can stop it. And they couldn't. And that's the level of confidence that this offense needs to get to. And, you know, you've got, you got uh, a new starter at right guard and you hope it's an absolute upgrade. I've heard good things about DJ Campbell as a run blocker. The pass protection still needs work, but every young offensive lineman's pass protection needs work, except for guys like Calvin Banks Jr., who's just a ridiculous uh, savant at his position. But, um, yeah, that's that's going to be a big part of the story for this Texas offense. You know, one thing, Eric, when Steve Sarkeesian's been at his best and he's had weapons, you know, deep threats on both sides of the field, pass catchers underneath he's he's really good at scripting the early plays and typically getting a good lead go back to the Alabama first half against Ohio State in the national championship when you know Devontae Smith catches 12 passes in the first half scores three touchdowns Alabama built the lead in such a way that they were able to just kind of cruise in for a landing in that game. That's when Steve Sarkeesian's at his best. What I want to see is the adjustments to the second half adjustments because Texas last year and 21 struggled to hold on to leads. And I'm waiting to see with the complete offense with the deep threats that he wants on the outside to open things up underneath the running game, the, the running back passing game, all of it that Alabama did so well in 2020 to, to get three Heisman finalists off of that team. Um, that's what I'm looking for this year and the adjustments to the adjustments in the second half. And so, you know, we're going to learn so much in that Alabama game on September 9th about what this, this Texas team is all about. Jim, I'm taking a look at uh, you know, our itinerary that we, we sent over pregame here again, uh, just taking some of the notes. And it's something you had here I think is interesting. You, you asked, you know, what do we feel most confident about this team? And, and in, in my mind, just you know, kind of going off that subject there, listen, you know, I, I might be a sucker chip, but I feel really confident about this defensive line. I keep hearing about Alfred Collins. I know that having a, a you know, 6'5", 317-pound defensive tackle with those type of measurables, in addition to a Tavondre Sweat, in addition to a Byron Murphy, it's not going to hurt things. And everything we've heard from Steve Sarkeesian is about how this, and, and the players as well, but how this defensive line is causing havoc. You know, I, I think you were, you were there that day when Jaron Thompson said they're, they're mean and nasty, talking about this defensive line. Uh, I, I'm just going to throw that out there. Again, I might be a sucker, but I feel pretty confident in this defensive line. How about you? Yeah, I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, the teams that have been winning national championships, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, have had that defensive line play, dominant defensive line play. And that's that's such a big part of it because you have to be able to disrupt the other team's running game and make it tough 
force them into the throw game. And Texas on paper looks like they've got the guys to do it this year. And that to me is such a big part of the equation. And, you know, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, I saw them after practice the other day. And, uh, and I said to him, man, sounds like you're making life miserable for the offensive line in the running game. And they're like, oh man, we're just doing what we do. But they, they said it in such a way with so much confidence and they were just carrying themselves with so much confidence that you, you know, if they play that way, then this Texas team has a chance to do some special things because I do think there's talent behind that line. You know, you've added Jalen Catalan at safety. You've got Jalen Ford at middle linebacker. Um, I think Anthony Hill is going to be a problem for opponents, especially when he's getting after the quarterback. Um, and at corner, you've got talented guys. We just got to see who's ready to turn it on when the lights come on because, you know, Ryan Watts started every game at the boundary corner last year, but man, these last two scrimmages, you keep hearing about freshman Malik Muhammad. I mean, this guy's making plays all over the place. And I think coming into camp, we thought Terrence Brooks and Gavin Holmes were probably battling it out for the field corner position. And then in these scrimmages, it's been all Malik Muhammad, the freshman. So let's see, obviously in these scrimmages, you've had the one, offense against the two defense and the two offense against the number one defense. Um, but that means Malik Muhammad's making plays against uh, the number one offense, unless he's, you know, moving up into that uh, position where he's playing with the ones. So I think it's going to be, you know, this defensive line is going to set the tone for this defense and, and it needs to because of all the guys you just mentioned, you know, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, they're all draft eligible after this season. And from what I'm hearing, they're treating it like a contract year. And that's what you want. You want guys to turn it on, you know, whatever it takes to find that, that switch and turn it on. That's what you want. But in Trill Carter, another guy who's kind of under the radar, the transfer from Minnesota, who's 6'2", 300, really twitchy, gets off the ball really well. They, they play him head up on the center and he's quick enough in both directions to really make life miserable um, as a head up shade on the center. So, you know, this is, um, this is what you want. You want to have multiple waves of guys. And then Sadir Mitchell, the freshman who's, you know, what, three, three thirty-five. It's got, uh, and, he's got size, he's got explosion. He's, he needs to come on this year. Cause if all those guys end up having a great year and going pro, you're looking at a, you're looking at some young guys stepping up next year. And that's, you know, we'll see, got to take things one, one at a time, but um, yeah, that defensive line is stacked. Chip, something that you're really pronounced about asking, uh, asking Steve Sarkis when we get him in, in presser, and I, I, I really like the approach, and whether it's you know him or the players, is you know some of the young guys that we can keep an eye on, right? You know, because we got to have that that next wave, next crop of guys coming up, and talking about the freshmen who are making an impact. You know, so you talk about that a little bit. There's one name just sticking with the defense. It's it's the name that you know Texas fans probably salivating over 
his potential. And that is Anthony Hill. And since day one, every time you've asked that question, uh, it, it feels like there's two things that I've heard consistently. One, it's whether it's Steve Sarkeesian or uh, Pete Kutowski or, you know, whoever is saying they, they don't want to overload him. They don't want to give him everything day one, you know, but how do you put a bridle on such talent? How do you put a bridle on such athleticism, such natural pass rush ability? Um, so I do want to toss it back to you in that sense and, and just talk about some of the freshmen that, you know, you've heard about who are making an impact. And I feel like you got to start with a Hill, right? Yeah. I mean, a Hill, I've, I've said, he's kind of a, he's a mini Tony Brackens. Um, Tony Brackens played at Texas in 93, had 12 sacks as a freshman. Now he was special. He went on to be a pro bowl player in the NFL. He, and he was a true defensive end. I mean, he's super long and, and bigger, than Anthony Hill, but Anthony Hill has the same body type as Tony Bracken's from an arm length standpoint, from a strength standpoint. And according to his teammates, the guy has a knack for getting his hands on the football, whether it's punching it out or swatting the ball out of a quarterback's hands. And I've said he could end up with more forced fumbles than sacks this year, but either way, you're going to take it because um, anytime you get a freshman who's got that kind of ability uh, as a pass rusher, but yet I think he and Leonga Lafau are going to be stars. You know, Leonga will probably play middle. Uh, Anthony Hill will probably play a mix of weak and strong side linebacker because of the different things that he can do. Um, but I think they are counting on Anthony Hill. I mean, how many times have we heard that Anthony Hill is among the top one, two, or three pass rushers on this team. Um, and I think the guy just has it. I mean, when he was at Denton Ryan, his coaches, when he moved up to varsity as a sophomore and they won the state championship that year and Jatavian Sanders was on that team, they just programmed him to see ball, hit ball, basically rush the passer. And he was so effective, you know, and then they loaded him up with the defense and he became a complete linebacker, but Texas is doing the same thing with Anthony Hill this year. They, they, they're loading him up with these pass rush situations while expanding his, his you know, game to become a complete linebacker. But I think that's how special they think he is as a pass rusher. And I think I just, I can't wait to see what he can do because the kid is fearless. I mean, he's not a freshman from a mindset standpoint. Chip, what really impressed me is we talked to David Benda the other day, and of course he's a guy who you know is in that competition, you know, to play, uh, you know, outside linebacker. And I thought it was interesting. I guess we hear so much about A Hill's pass rush ability that in your head, or at least maybe just me, uh, I'm thinking that all right, the kid is a natural pass rusher, natural nose for the ball, but maybe he might be a little bit deficient in coverage, right? Maybe that's going to be the thing that keeps him from being, you know, if not a starter day one, someone who's going to get, uh, you know, time in those linebacker situations. And Benda said, no, you know, he, he, he almost had a play the other day where he had a one-handed tip pick to himself. <laughs> it's, it's almost amazing in a sense, the athleticism, right? All you hear about is the pass rush ability. It's like, oh, no, yeah. He, he almost snagged one one-handed pick. <laughs> you know, that, that in itself is just really, really interesting. Uh, let's toss it back to the offensive side of the ball and, and a freshman who, 
maybe because of the depth in the receiver room, he might not see a ton of time immediately, but it's another name that every time you've asked that question, his name seems to, to be brought up, and that's John Tay Cook, right? I mean, Chip, do you see a role for him? I mean, I just think with so many offensive weapons, it might be tough for him to see a ton of time at receiver, but could you see, is there anything just kind of in, in his background and in, in Steve Sarkeesian's history that you see a, some role for him that his speed and athleticism is just too much to keep off the field on day one? Well, if he's getting open and he's making plays, he's got to be on the field. And he's the heir apparent to Xavier Worthy. And, the, you know, all, all, you know, speculation is that Worthy has a big year this year, goes pro, and then Jontae Cook steps right into Xavier Worthy's role. So, um, but you're right. I mean, every time we turn around, Jontae Cook's making a play. And the thing that, you know, again – He's a five-star for a reason. His footwork, his route running is, is ahead of schedule. That's the way it was with Xavier Worthy. Worthy came in in June, and by week one, he was the centerpiece of the offense from a passing standpoint. He, he picked things up that fast. We're kind of hearing the same thing about Jonte Cook. Heck, this past week we've heard the same thing about Derek Williams at safety who was a June arrival, but Jonte was a early enrollee came in in January and was, you know, he caught a touchdown pass in the spring game and from Malik Murphy. And um, this guy, he's ready. I mean, he is all indications are he's ready. And that's where this thing's going to get interesting, Eric, because you kind of look at, you know, A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy are your top two outside deep threats, Jordan Whittington in the slot. Then if, if we know Steve Sarkeesian, he, he tends to play a limited number at receiver. Usually it's four. I mean, last year it, it wasn't even four, but is Jonte Cook going to beat out Isaiah Nair or does, does Steve Sarkeesian believe so much in these guys that he's willing to to take A.D. Mitchell out and put Isaiah Nair in, take Worthy out, put Cook in, just to give him a breather. I mean, that's not been Steve Sarkeesian's M.O. in the past, but let's see because you got to feed the, you know, you got to feed the playmakers. And and if they're making plays in practice and they're getting open, they deserve to be on the field. I mean, it's that simple if they can beat the defense. So. I'm fascinated to see how deep that receiver rotation will be for Sarkeesian this year. Chip, as someone who covered this team last year, can I throw one thing out at you uh, as far as the receiver room just kind of bounces off you? Because I find this really interesting, and we've talked about it, we've written about it on the site, the lack of deep ball success last year, right? And from talking with you guys and kind of doing some research, it sounds as if the difference between Xavier Worthy as a freshman and difference between him as a sophomore, you had the, you know, the slight dip in, in, in counting stats, was that what he was asked to do? He was asked to kind of be that deep threat where, you know, maybe that's not his strong suit. Maybe his strong suit is more getting the ball in his hands quickly and making plays. So just going to, you know, throw a couple stats out at you and see what you make of them. Of the 39 passes that were 20 yards or more last year that Xavier Worthy uh, was targeted, he only caught nine of those passes, right? So again, not necessarily the most success in the deep ball game. Does a guy like Isaiah Nair with his size and A.D. Mitchell with his size is it almost too challenging for Steve Sarkeesian to keep those guys off the field, specifically Nayor, in relation to Cook, 
with his size and downfield ability when Nair was at Wyoming, he was an excellent deep ball threat. He caught over 40% of the deep ball passes, passes 20 yards or longer that were targeted to him. Is that almost too much to keep him off the field? And the second part of that question, Chip, is does having a guy like Nair allow uh, Isaiah, Wor- Isaiah, excuse me, Isaiah Worthy, Xavier Worthy to, to do more of what he, he did as a freshman? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at it and you say, every quarterback loves a big receiver. They love it because they can, they can just throw it up in their general vicinity and they know that an A.D. Mitchell or a Isaiah Nair is going to go up and get it. A.D. Mitchell, 6'4", Isaiah Nair, 6'3", long arms, big catch radius. The knock on Worthy, and I've been very open about this, is that he's not a great contested catch maker. And when he's, got, when he's running away from someone, he's fine. When he's got a DB on his hip and it's 50-50, I don't like my chances because for whatever reason, Xavier Worthy hasn't, he hasn't shown. In fact, sometimes he kind of gave up on passes where he had a, a DB on his hip. So I agree with you. Now, Sarkeesian loves Xavier Worthy, like loves him and, and strokes him all the time about how his work ethic. He's the first one to practice, last one to leave, hardest worker. He's done everything. And I'm going, I didn't see a guy fighting to catch the ball last year. Now, we find out after the season, he had a broken bone in his hand. And so it's like, okay, he, the guy was clearly the deep threat. The defenses knew it. I'm sure he got tired of being double teamed and leveraged and all that. But um, I, I'm with you. Isaiah Nair, great deep ball threat. We saw it at Wyoming two years ago when he caught those 12 touchdown catches, had over 20 yards per catch. Um, and we know A.D. Mitchell is a monster. We've seen it. We've seen it to win a college football playoff semifinal against Ohio State. So I think Steve Sarkeesian is going to have to look at it real critically and say, who's who's making the contested catches? Who's, who's the guy that we can count on the most uh, to make these plays downfield? And it could be an interesting argument. All right, CB, I know this is my first run with you here. I'm a little bit new to something, uh, a little bit new to love it or leave it. I think we're going to go a little take it or, or, or leave it. Is that, that sound take about it right? Take it or leave it. <laughs> All right, let's take go it a little, or leave it. Let's go a little to take it or, or leave it here. And I, I think Yeah, we should, probably, we should probably grab a quick break oh, yeah, for, yeah. Let's, let's for those um, who are uh, – we'll, we'll come right back to the flagship podcast with some, some take it or leave it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, Chip. So we're back. It's my first foray. I am uh, a little excited here. We're going to go a little take it or leave it. Uh, looks like the, the first take it or leave it question is, are we ready to buy the hype on Quinn yours? You know, I think the, the kid is taking accountability for last year, probably even more than he needed to with the apology to the fans after the spring game. Um, I, I, I like the way that he's remade himself physically. He's at 200 down from 218, says he feels great, says he, you know, he's changed his diet. He gave up Chick-fil-A for salmon, says his mind is clearer. And we hear that he connected with Xavier Worthy on a, about a 60-yard touchdown pass in the second scrimmage this this past Saturday. Um, I, I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm ready to buy the hype. I'm going to take this. Uh, I think the Texas quarterback room is loaded. And I think that Quinn Ewers knows that it's his time. And we've seen big second-year jumps from quarterbacks in the Sarkeesian system. Alabama, Mac Jones, you know, obviously went to a ridiculous, um, what, he had 41 touchdowns and three or four interceptions in that 2020 season, uh, was a Heisman finalist. I think I think that's possible for Quinn Ewers. He's that talented, but this offensive line, this running game has to be able to complement what he's doing so that it's not all on him, and that's – that's uh, that's yet to be seen. But yeah, I'm going to take this, E. Henry. How about you? CB, I'm going to take it, but can I give you two intangible things that I, I do concern me? Uh, well, here's, here's the one that concerns me. And I am curious your recollection of Texas quarterbacks. 200-pound quarterback shit. I know that that is something that listen, this offensive line is going to have to keep him clean, going to have to keep him upright. They certainly are, are up to the challenge. You talk about it. Having a Kelvin Banks Jr. protecting your blind side doesn't hurt. But there's just something about that number, 200 pounds. When I heard it, it's like on one sense, you can tell the kid is taking his diet seriously. As you talk about drop to Chick-fil-A, doing salmon. But with that being said, that just feels very, very slight. So that's a concern. Now, uh, to flip it and give on the, on the optimistic side of things that I, I, I feels encouraging, and this is just an intangible thing. It's not something that, you know, others might feel as strongly about, but I think it's something. The haircut. Because I think the haircut's more than a haircut, Chip, right? You get a haircut and you become a new man, you become a new woman, a new person. It's a mentality thing, right? It's you're taking yourself seriously as the leader of this team. Something about that, even in talking with him, right? I mean, it, it, when he talks about the haircut, he kind of laughs, and then he says, yeah, it, it, it was a personality change. It's a shift. I think there's something about that that says he's ready to embrace the challenge of being the leader of this team. So I'm taking it, but those are two intangible things that, that really kind of jumped out to me, Chip, right? Am I making too much of that, or what, what, what do you say? Hey, man, you know what? I, I think you're right. It, it, was a, it was a whole transformation for Quinn Ewers to – Cut the hair, cut the mullet, shave the face, get his body into shape. He Look, he was not used to being part of the problem 
And he was part of the problem last year in his mind. And look, there were a couple of games, right? Oklahoma State, TCU, where it wasn't working. And and he couldn't figure a way out of it. Or Steve Sarkeesian couldn't put him in position to figure a way out. And that's not what Quinn Ewers has ever been used to. When he was a sophomore at, at South Lake Carroll uh, in a in a you know, junior, he was the one solving the problem and getting his team in position. And, and so I think he's hungry to make sure that never happens again. And I agree with you though, Eric. And I think it's a good point you make about 200 pound quarterbacks. Now, typically if they're 200 pounds or, you know, right there, they're usually pretty elusive and can avoid taking the big hit. Uh, but we saw Quinn Ewers take the big hit last year from Dallas Carter against Alabama. He drove his shoulder right into the turf, and uh, Quinn missed the next two and a half games with a sternoclavicular sprain. So, yeah, that is a that is a concern. You know, Malik Murphy at six nine or whatever he is, <laughs> he's probably made out of polyurethane and. No one's going to drive his shoulder into the ground to the point where it's, he's even going to feel it because I don't think they can tilt him sideways like that. But, um, yeah, no, that's a that's a legit concern, and that that means that offensive line's got to keep him clean and, and let him spin it because I think he's hungry and ready uh, to show everyone that he can he can spin it to these receivers. All right, the next take it or leave it, CB. We touched on it a little bit, but let's go in depth. The defensive line is the strongest position group on the team. Take it or leave it, Chip. Yeah, and I know this is a hot, this is a hot one. This is a hot button, hot, uh, you know, hot take, whatever, uh, because everybody looks at the receiver group on this team and says, "Man, the receivers are the best position group on the team," and that's a that's a legit argument, uh, but. I like the I like the veteran experience and hunger of the group on the defensive line. When you talk about Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, these are all, you know, three-year or four-year or five-year players who are hungry, ready to, to get it done. You throw in Baron Sorrell at that uh, – you know, the jack end position, Ethan Burke at the buck end position, Anthony Hill is going to come down and rush the passer off of the defensive line, even though he's a linebacker. I just think this defensive line is is the most disruptive and, and probably the strongest position group on the team. So I'm going to take this, E. Henry. How about you? If you'd asked me this question prior to camp starting, I would have said to leave it. I was really high on this receiving group, really high on this receiver room. But as you mentioned, you talked about a hill. You talked about the ascension in year four, seemingly that contract year for AC. The entire D-line, looking at it like it's a contract year to go get paid and make some money in next year's NFL draft. Uh, you talked about Ethan Burke and I, baby Bosa, right? You know, that was even thrown out at us a little bit during camp as well. So because of that, with all of those reasons, I am going to take it. Yeah. And let's see if they can, what they missed 13 sack opportunities last year. Um, they need to, 
make sure they're getting the quarterback to the ground or, or knocking the ball out of his hands. No doubt about it. The last take it or leave it. This is another hot one. The leading receiver for Texas. And I like how you added this by receptions, yards, and touchdowns. You didn't just do one category. Will be X. Xavier Worthy. Take it or leave it, CB. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this because I am such a buyer of AD Mitchell that I think AD Mitchell's gonna lead in some one of these three categories, maybe, maybe more than one category. Um, I look, Steve Sarkeesian loves Xavier Worthy, and Xavier Worthy's gonna get his targets. But AD Mitchell, 6'4, can fly. His his own teammates, you know, Brock Bowers at SEC Media Days, his former Georgia teammate, the tight end there for the Bulldogs said, that guy's so twitchy. He's a big guy who moves like a small guy. And that's the thing that we keep hearing is that this guy can get separation at the, at you know, the from the minute he takes off from the line of scrimmage uh, and that big catch radius. I just think that Quinn Ewers is going to fall in love throwing it to number five because they love every quarterback loves a big receiver, loves a big target. So I'm going to leave this E. Henry. How about you? I am going to leave it, and you touched on a name that I was going to touch on, but I don't want to do too much copying of your homework, so let me pivot a little bit, right? And this is something I do truly believe. Let's see how hot take this is. How about JT Sanders leading in touchdowns? They, they've, it's been talked about from the first day of fall camp when we talked with Jeff Banks, we talked with Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, they talked about the fact that JT, he might not see as many targets behind the line of scrimmage. He might not see as many tight end screens but they're looking to get him vertical. I just love the idea of big JT Sanders, 10, 11 touchdowns. If my memory serves me correct, and again, Chip, please feel free to correct me on this. He needs 11 touchdowns to set the all-time record for a career at tight end. Um, come on, and it's uh, David Thomas, right? Who has the, yep. the, 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 the there we go, uh, who has the all-time record. I, I see him knocking on that door, CB. So I, I think... For that reason alone that you mentioned, he's got to lead all the categories in receiving. I am leaving it. And I'm throwing a flyer out there. JT Sanders, 11 touchdown receptions this year. I like it. I like it. That's a hot one. That's a hot take right there. But Jatavian uh, Sanders, man, he's capable. 54 catches last year. Second leading receiver on the team by catches. Um, and look, he's uh, he's he should be more productive with the deep threats on the outside that they have now adding those deep threats helps JT Sanders helps him get open down the middle, uh, helps him get matched up on a linebacker where he can just pull away. And so I like it. I, I'm, I, I can see it. I can see it. Um, all right. Hey, there we go. Flagship podcast, Eric Henry, ladies and gentlemen, um, Eric, for those of you who don't know, Eric is, uh, uh, a native Floridian. You grew up in Tampa. That's correct. And you attended Central Florida. You are a knight. Welcome that to the Big correct. 12. Absolutely. <laughs> and what else do we need to know about Eric Henry? You played, you played college football 
I, I did. So just kind of a, a quick background, as Chip mentioned, uh, you know, again, went to the University of Central Florida, did not play there, uh, played one year of college football at Weber International down in, uh, in Florida before deciding that, you know, hey, uh, my future was not in, on the gridiron. So I might want to start developing some of these other skills, uh, Chip. But yeah, you know, prior to uh, joining 24-7 Sports and Horns 24-7, I, I spent, let's see, I spent a year covering high school football and basketball in the greater Chicagoland area. So the only thing, Chip, in my career that has come close to the level of intensity, the passion that Horns fans have for Horns football is Chicago area high school basketball. That's the only thing that has come close. So I did that for about a year and then made the transition to covering the group of fives, covered a conference USA and the American, a little bit of the Sun Belt for uh, another outlet for five years and covered Florida and national football as well. And uh, got the opportunity to, again, you know, join a, a great site. And I'm just been really ecstatic over these past few months to work with a great team, you know, chip yourself, Jeff, Howe, uh, Jordan Scruggs, Hudson Standish, you know, Hank South, Tommy Yarish, uh, as I said in the intro, trying to, you know, fill the heels, fill the shoes of the illustrious Taylor Estes. So thank you to her for uh, all the help she's guided me along the way here. So, yeah, I, I think that's it. I'm looking forward to my first year. I'm, I'm at the, the spot in downtown Austin. It's another lovely day here at, at Fifth and West. So uh, looking forward to an exciting football season, sir. I'd be young. I'd be young like Eric Henry. You know what I mean? I remember those days. <laughs> um, hey, everybody, thanks for uh, for being a part of this one. Let's do it again next week. Uh, for Eric Henry, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com. Make sure you become an annual member at Horns247 so that you get all the VIP content across the entire premier, preeminent 24-7 sports network. Make sure you're checking out Josh Pate on Late Kick, the YouTube channel. Um, and of course, make sure you're subscribed. Just hit that button right there uh, to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. And uh, so until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.